Hello, welcome to Fruitbox with me, Chris White, from my studio here in London for the first of what's going to become a regular series of conversations with key people in the business about everything to do with fresh fruits and vegetables. Fruitbox is going to be broadcast via our website, fruitnet.com, and of course you'll find it across all our social media channels. So click on the link you'll find at LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and so on. And if you've got a good news story that you want to share with me, then don't hesitate to get in touch with me at chris at fruitnet.com. Today's subject, you won't be surprised to learn, is COVID-19. Coronavirus entered our collective consciousness at the very end of last year when we all heard about the first outbreaks in Wuhan in China. It's now developed into a global pandemic that's affecting every single one of us wherever we are in the world. Like you, most of us at FruitNet are now working remotely. We're not at our office, but at our home office, perhaps your kitchen table at home, or in my case, my small attic space with a view over the rooftops of South London, where I live. I say we're all working from home, but that's not strictly true, of course, because supermarkets are open and they're fully staffed, and fresh fruit and vegetable farms and packing houses are busy as perhaps never before. And that's where I'd like to start this first edition of Fruitbox, by looking at retail and production, by looking at the supermarket shelf and at the farm gate. What's been happening and what might happen next? Today, I'm joined down the line by two people who know more than most about what's happening around the world at the moment. First up is Mike Knowles, FruitNet's Editorial Director Europe, and Mara Maxwell, FruitNet's Spain and Latin America editor. Together, they've got some 30 years' experience of reporting on the fresh fruit and vegetable business. Hi, Mike. Hello, Chris. Nice to speak to you. Hi, Mara. How are you doing? I'm good, Chris. Good. Good. Uh, Mike, um, you posted a very interesting story at fruitnet.com this morning about the situation at point point of sale in various countries. What's happening? What what are your sources telling you? That's right, Chris. Yeah, well, we've seen really since February some, you know, frankly remarkable things happening in retail, um, starting down in Italy where the epicentre of this crisis, um, you know, currently is. Um, you know, if I can sum it up uh, neatly, it's really been about a shift from uh, wholesale to retail, uh, especially in Italy's case, in, in what they call the grande distribuzione, so the, the big modern supermarkets. Um, and it sounds obvious to say it, but this is the new reality that everyone has been forced to, um, you know, abandon that, that, that eating out that's so, uh, you know, connected with Italian culture and to... And to eat at home so they're with their families they're working from home and they're having to make those supermarket trips on a a far more regular basis and then of course you know fast forward a couple of weeks um and we find ourselves in a very similar situation in the uk far more pressure intense pressure on the uh, the supermarkets in particular but all retailers convenience stores uh, and cash and carries and so forth and the wholesale side of things is left with a load of fresh fruit and vegetables that they can't find a home for. And the retailers, on the other hand, are finding that they're um, peddling hard and trying to keep up. And as we've seen towards the end of last week, there was quite a, a noticeable uh, lack of produce in, in produce departments around the country. I think that's uh, also partly due, isn't it, to the, the kind of some of the logistical challenges uh, that uh, retailers have had. I know the local Sainsbury's store at the corner here in London, uh, where I live, 
Um, they're having their stores replenished every morning uh, at eight o'clock and by nine o'clock um, everything is gone. People are, people are buying it, it all up. Um, and I think it's going to be very interesting to see how retailers will face that particular challenge. Interestingly, also, I um, had a, a, an email on my local uh, kind of neighbourhood group here where a, a local wholesaler based nearby here in London is now saying uh, to uh, ordinary people, uh, ordinary customers, look, you can come and buy from me direct. You don't necessarily have to go through the supermarkets. Um, there mm. is produce available outside the supermarkets. Uh, Mara, how, how does the situation look in Spain at the moment? What's happening there? Uh, are we seeing a similar trend? Yes, absolutely. Um, as Mike was saying, uh, the Italians, and likewise the Spanish, um, very much like uh, eating out in bars, restaurants, um, and all those people who have been effectively in lockdown in their homes for the past two weeks um, are having to eat at home. That means that also school children who would once have had school meals are now eating at home. And as a result, um, it's estimated that demand for fruit and veg is up by around 30% in Spain this past week. Um, and that is being reflected in the prices, uh, particularly in some vegetables like peppers, um, aubergines, um, sort of, you know, staples that people use very much to cook with there. What, the prices are going up? Yes, absolutely, they've spiked. I mean, the, the prices were, were, were pretty rock bottom in a lot of these products um, before coronavirus hit. Um, so there's been a bit of a bubble uh, recently, although it's um, not expected to last, unfortunately. So it probably won't be enough to sort of save the, for the whole season. Um, and as Mike was saying as well, there's been a big shift away from wholesale to uh, to the supermarkets. And this has um, affected some products in some sectors more than others. For example, Canary Island bananas um, rely on the wholesale sector for about 45% of their sales. Um, and that is just not being translated uh, into the shift to, to supermarkets. So they're really feeling the pinch right now. Mm. Uh, Mara, um, you're half Spanish, you have family in Spain, and uh, I'm half Italian, I have family in Italy, and I know that Italians are generally used to, uh, as it were, buying more regularly, making more regular purchases. Mike was mentioning this a little earlier. Have you found mm-hmm. that, uh, on, on, on the basis of the evidence that you have, that people are um, switching more to, uh, they're, they're having to buy rather, uh, not not every day, but uh, you know, once or, or, or if not twice a week, which is quite unusual for them isn't it um yes and no i mean from what i've been hearing from my family members um getting out to the supermarket is very much the highlight of the day <laughs> and something that they're quite keen to do therefore on a daily basis because otherwise they are very much um cooped up in their apartments all day long um so i know certainly um my family members are popping out every day and getting down to the supermarket and they're stocking up on fresh produce um, Mike, this brings us on to the, the question that we're seeing in, in this country, in the UK, uh, which has become you know, a very urgent issue for, uh, for everyone, in fact, which is this question of panic or manic buying, as we're calling it. Um, tell us more about that. Yeah, well, it's um, again, that's something that's, in fact, it seems uh, very new here in the UK where we are. But watching the European market over the last month, um, especially in Italy, when they announced the lockdown of, there were 11 zones in northern Italy, if you remember, that um, were locked down first before the whole country was. Um, that was in the last week of February, and that prompted um, panic buying on, a, you know, stockpiling on a level they'd never seen. You never see the pasta aisle in, in an Italian supermarket um, go completely empty. That was unheard of. 
Um, so that kind of uh, what they called psychosis uh, on a collective level happened for a few days. It then calmed down. And then there was a sort of a repeat as well when uh, the, the whole country was put into lockdown. Um, the reassuring thing um, for them in Italy was that it, it did calm down. And now if you go into a supermarket, even in Milan, uh, in Bologna, you will find what you need. And people, as, as Mara says, that, you know, there isn't much else to do that you're allowed to do to, to leave your house for. Um, uh, but supermarket shopping is one of those things. And people are doing that happily and calmly. Will that happen here in the UK? Um, I, obviously, as a, as a human being, I hope so. Um, the, I think there is an extra uh, level of complication here in that our retailers are that much more, um, you know, working on fine margins in terms of time, in terms of the supply, um, and they get what they need in just in time delivery. You know, it, it is very much a phenomenon. And I think if you look at the fact that they've started limiting purchases to two or three per person, and that hasn't really had a major impact on what's going on. You're still seeing some empty shelves. I think that suggests that actually that theory that just-in-time delivery and ultra-efficiency in British supermarkets is part of the problem uh, does ring true. Um, but there are those, there are some retail analysts who say, my goodness, you know, why, who, who could have coped with, with this kind of crisis anyway? You know, the, they, they couldn't have had... Um, you know, great warehouses full of uh, products, you know, ready to, ready for a, a, a big pandemic like this. And actually, the other complicating factor, which we haven't really talked about, is Brexit. Now, we're, we're, oh. Brexit has gone off the radar. But if you remember, when we talked about Brexit, the logistical side of that preparation was about um, bringing in extra stocks of products and making sure that there was a little bit of uh, buffer in the system and actually some of those things you know they, they don't necessarily need they actually need more more basics as Mara says the, the amount of supply of um, you know carrots and, and parsnips and potatoes is going to need to be huge on tropical fruit on exotics there's going to be huge downward pressure because people aren't going to prioritize those kind mm -hmm. of things mm -hmm. so it's a, a, a really rapidly changing situation well, and um, in the UK I hope it I hope it gets better. I think yeah. it probably will. Those are very interesting points, Absolutely. Mike. Um, uh, I, I interrupted you there, Mary. Just a, one, one, one observation I wanted to make uh, was the fact that uh, we're seeing, in generally speaking, in supermarkets, the or certainly in the food aisles, that they're trying to limit, to reduce the number of SKUs, the number of stock-keeping units. Mm. Uh, so instead of uh, whatever it is, 35 uh, different types of SKUs of tomatoes, there might be many fewer um, what do you have to say about that, uh, Mara? Yes, no, absolutely. Just uh, to echo what Mike said, um, and also um, one of the other very real shifts that we're beginning to see and we're expecting to see more um, is people favouring um, products that are very high in uh, vitamin C mm -hmm. um, in, a, in a bit to sort of ward off, you know, the coronavirus if they can. So products like kiwi fruits, like citrus, um, are expected to do pretty well in the coming weeks and months. Um, now let's turn uh, to supply. We've talked a lot about retail um, in, in, in these first uh, few minutes, the first half of this uh, programme. Let, let's look to suppliers. Um, I spoke to um, somebody in the European Apple business the other day and I rang him thinking, oh God, he's going to be really fed up with life. But he sounded actually quite chirpy and he said that uh, he had a 300% increase in his orders in the last week uh, and that uh, his pack house has never been 
busier. Uh, Mike, are you hearing um, from uh, your contacts in the production sector in Europe that they're extremely busy? Uh, absolutely, yeah. I think in terms of the, the companies that um, you know work with growers and aggregate supply, get it through the pack house and, and ship it out, uh, in in a lot of cases, that's true. So you mentioned apples. Um, there, there's a big supplier down in Verona, um, who, who you know, a family-run company that have been supplying apples for many years. Um, they were packing apples, you know, you know, almost faster than they could, you know, to satisfy um, a similar level, like a 30% increase in demand from the supermarket customers. Um, but actually, then there's a, you know, there are other problems coming in. So, for example, strawberries asparagus in Italy, um, they're, they're quite labour intensive. So um, I'm sort of jumping the gun and going on to another topic there. But, um, you know, labour is a complicating factor there. But to answer your question, yes, huge demand for those kind of fruits. And we, we, mustn't, we mustn't forget vegetables, of course, which uh, are a key component of, uh, of uh, the everyday diet. Uh, Mara, what, what's your uh, reading of things? How do you hear, what do you hear from, from Spain and, and perhaps further afield? In Latin America? Um, well, uh, in terms of Spain, I think the first thing to say is that suppliers have really, really been pulling out all of the stops um, to get that product up to supermarket shelves all over Europe. Um, the fact that they are um, working to quite restrictive measures, um, you know, the distancing measures in pack houses, for example, mean that a lot of companies are having to do two shifts so that the um, workers can stay a certain distance apart. Um, other impacts are one of the rules under the state of emergency in Spain is that you're now only limited to one person per vehicle. So that's obviously affecting um, pickers just getting to the field, people getting to pack houses. And also it means that lorries are taking longer to deliver the um, product because instead of having two drivers that can work shifts, they happen to rely on one driver. So the driver's having to um, lay up and rest for the required time so you know these things really are starting to have an impact even though up to now as i said they they've pulled out everything to make it happen Mm -hmm. and chris i I would just also say there that if you compare the situations in italy and spain to the uk the uk obviously has this greater challenge of um relying so heavily on imports from Mm. enough those two countries whereas in italy there's a lot of supply already in the country so they're managing within a national border well, I, I don't know about you, but I, I remain uh, utterly uh, amazed that uh, I can go to a supermarket, um, even though uh, it may be certain items may be empty. The, the fact that there is stuff on the shelves is a testament to um, the uh, incredible work that producers are doing and retailers and, of course, um, everybody else in the logistics chain. I know, Mike, you've launched on Twitter uh, a hashtag Heroes of Fresh Produce, and I think uh, all of these people our heroes. Okay, uh, time's up. I'm going to have to stop you both there. You've been listening to Mike Knowles and Mara Maxwell from FruitNet. Thanks again, both of you. And I'll be catching up with them as well as other members of the FruitNet team in future editions of Fruitbox to hear everything about what's happening in the world of fresh fruits and vegetables. So join me for my next program when I'll be speaking to a fresh produce business analyst based in Shanghai in China on how the business has managed its way through the coronavirus crisis and the lessons that China might have for us in future. This is Chris White in London, and that was Fruitbox. Thank you very much indeed for listening, and tune in again. In the meantime, keep well, stay safe, and keep washing your hands, and keep on eating fresh fruits and vegetables. Goodbye. Goodbye.